0: would you join me in a moment of prayer holy and gracious God help us to be ready to see your glory to be astounded at the newness you bring in Jesus Christ in his name we pray amen our scripture reading today in this first Sunday of Advent comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, beginning with verse 36. They, the disciples are asking Jesus about when the end times will come, and Jesus replies to them. Listen for the word of the Lord. But about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah, were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. They knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field and one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken, one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, I wanna say in celebration, you know, we Presbyterians are a connectional church, so we always uh, when a new pastor comes on board uh, to a congregation, invite representatives of the presbytery or uh, representatives of the broader church to come and be part of that celebration. You'll be celebrating that uh, expectantly in the, in, the, in the coming year. Uh, I was invited recently to uh, a colleague's installation as the pastor in Estes Park, Colorado. Uh, Estes Park is one of my favorite places to go. So it was a delight to go there. It was a church I'd worshiped in many times. Um, but, but I also have some other history with that, uh, with that area. It goes back to July 14th, 1982. I set off on something of a solo personal pilgrimage to my favorite place in Rocky Mountain National Park. A few years earlier I had climbed Long's Peak and uh, at the end of our uh, expedition we found this little campground far away in another part of the park and it was so beautiful and peaceful, this quiet little spot alongside a burbling brook, for some reason they called that burbling brook the Roaring River, it was about two steps across, it was just bucolic. That's where I was headed that day, July 14th, 1982. I set out from Illinois and drove all the way. To my dismay, I arrived so late, and that campground, other people had discovered it. I couldn't believe it. The campground was full. In fact, all of the campgrounds were full. And so, with a heavy heart, I drove to the Presbyterian camp in Allens Park about 15 miles away. I knew I'd find welcome among the Presbyterians. They gave me an empty cabin. I slept well that night. I woke up the next morning, July 15th, 1982. Went into the dining hall, had breakfast, uh, pancakes and bacon and whole milk, and had a great time talking with the Presbyterians. They are a friendly group. When all of a sudden, the director of the camp burst in breathlessly, telling the whole hall full of people, "Lawn Lake Dam burst an hour ago. And what that meant is 30 million cubic feet of water was sweeping down the mountain. It came down to Estes Park. The water in downtown Estes Park was six feet high. The director said, "Now be careful when you leave. Uh, you don't go there, and of course, like a moth to a flame, that's exactly where I went." But I took the high road. I went halfway up Trail Ridge Road to look out and to see what was going on. And I saw pine trees a hundred feet tall, bobbing along like toothpicks in this sea of mud. I saw granite boulders the size of pickup trucks just rolling along. I know they were the size of pickup trucks because alongside of them there were pickup trucks all floating down the valley headed towards Estes Park. And then I looked and I saw that where the flood had come first down the mountain and where it hit was that exact quiet little bucolic campground where I had intended to stay. And I'm haunted still. What if I'd been there? Would I have heard the clarion call of the ranger? Would I have responded? It was a series of quirky events that that made so that there wasn't more loss of life that day. A garbage hauler had not gotten his work done the day before so he got up before dawn and arrived early and he heard what he thought was a, an airplane crashing and and he discovered what was going on. He got on an emergency phone that usually wasn't working but it was that day and called the rangers immediately and they came and cleared out the campground. and and I keep being haunted. What if I had been there? You see, it was morning, and morning and I are not friends, right? I don't go to sleep easily, and I don't wake up easily. Would I have heard? Would I have moved fast enough? I'm kind of obsessive compulsive about my stuff, a little bit of Rain Man inside of me, right? Would I have thought that I had to pack my stuff? I'm a slow mover and my hiking boots were difficult to put on, would I have taken time to tie them or just taken off to run? Would I have been ready? Would I have been ready to respond? And every time I go back to Rocky Mountain National Park, I not only see the beauty of the mountains and the, the, the high places, I go to that valley the trees are growing back now all these years later, but that valley is never going to be the same again. The flood washed it all away. And I share that story this morning because that's the image that the scripture gives us for Advent. Advent. Advent's not supposed to be a quiet little celebration. Advent's about eschatology. It's about revolution. It's about a flood coming to wipe out known reality. The question is, are we ready? Have we shaped ourselves for the moment? Have we we worked to become the kind of people who will mobilize our will when, when, when the clarion call comes? Will we be ready to leave our stuff behind and head for the higher ground? You see, Advent is about preparation, and it's about hope. Hope is about when the sun has not yet risen in the sky, but that first glimmer, that first vague glow of dawn has come. That's hope. I always like Walter Brueggemann's term for people of faith. He says that the Bible calls us as people of faith to be, this is my Brueggemann imitation, authentic hopers. I want to be an authentic hoper. To live as people who expect, who look for, who live in the glow before the sun has risen and who know not exactly what's going to happen, but have some sort of sense of what's going on. To live in God is to live in hope. God's essential nature is hope-oriented, pointing us not to repeat the past, not to hunker down in the present, but to look toward the future with expectation. God encounters us in hope. God invites us into that future to orient ourselves to be ready for the flood, to move towards that higher ground toward which God calls us. And that means hope calls us to hold in some sort of distance, the present, because the condition for the possibility of the new is to be ready for the present to be washed away because something new is coming. Hope orients us towards the future to where God is calling us. So we're not fully in harmony with the present. We're not in agreement with the world as it is. We're those eschatological advent people that are oriented towards what is coming. We don't know exactly what's coming, but we know in God that it is coming. And therefore we take the present seriously. We engage in the world, recognizing that what is, is not what will be. John Calvin said, sin lives in us, but we're called towards righteousness. We're oppressed by infinite misery, but we're headed towards infinite blessedness. We have a richness of hunger and thirst, but we're a promised an abundance of all good things. We live in the present, expecting a new world to be born. We walk and journey through the darkness but illuminated by the glimmer, the first light of dawn. It may seem contradictory, but hope proves its power as we live as authentic hopers in that glimmer of dawn. We don't deny or suppress or skip the unpleasant present We recognize decay is real, guilt is real, sin is real, death is real, war is happening. But none of that defines us. None of it makes us cynical, saying that's all there is and all there can be because as Kierkegaard puts it, we people of faith have a passion for the possible. So what we organize ourselves, practice doing, is practicing being those people of passion. A passion for the possible of people who live in hope. Ready to move. The peace of God may mean conflict with the way things are. Because this unquenchable hope will not say that's just good enough. That's all we can ever do. We're not satisfied with the way things are. Our hope is not based on us knowing exactly what's going to happen. Our hope is not based as the scripture folks, are, uh, as Jesus is saying to the folks in scripture on some signs. Our hope is based in God. And a prophet is not someone who knows exactly what's going to happen or knows when it's going to happen. A prophet is someone who helps us to take a look at the picture of life and then calls us to remember that God is somewhere in that picture. The moment is coming, the Kairos moment, the moment of grace, the decisive action, to the poor against racism, against hate. Every day, every day there's a sense of expectation in us as we practice hope. And we know that the world will be turned upside down and inside out and nothing will be the same again because God will offer us opportunities, those Kairos moments, to see that the new can be real and born among us. Advent's a time of watching, nurturing ourselves, nurturing in ourselves this spirit of openness to what might just happen. And therefore, considering that maybe to nurture a spirit of openness, we need to practice sometimes something of God's anger, sometimes something of God's compassion, sometimes something of God's sorrow, God's disappointment, God's sensitivity to what's going on in the world. God's seriousness about how people are hurting, God's joy for the possibilities of what yet may be as authentic hopers live out their lives in that hope. Then we see God at work in the picture and we be and become those people of hope who are awake, aware, and ready to respond when the moment comes. Advent is in our time to nurture in ourselves and in our families, in our places of work, and in our world broadly, a passion for the possible because we know what is coming, this flood, this flood of love and grace and truth and blessedness that will wipe away the known world, this flood that's coming. And it's coming in a manger. May we be ready, amen.